0: title of the message today from James chapter two is fighting
1: favoritism, fighting favoritism. James
0: chapter two, we're going to start down in verse five and just read a few verses, but then we're going to actually be covering James chapter two, verses one through 13 in the message today, fighting favoritism. Let's look together. Verse 5, James writes to the church scattered abroad. He says, hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do they not blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors.
1: Fighting favoritism. Who do you think are some of the wealthier people in our community, in our city? Any idea? Some of you guys know better than I do. Mr. Ursay, he's got some, a little bit of a cash issue, doesn't he, right? Who else? Anybody else come to mind? Bracket. What's his role? I don't think I know him. Okay. All right. So what came to my mind
0: of all things today, and I was going I didn't get a chance to ask Todd ahead of time, so I'll put him on the spot, but I was thinking of Lily. Is there still someone with a last name, Lily, that runs Lily or not? Okay. But... The CEO of Lilly, and we probably don't know, but if you were just to kind of give us a general guesstimate ballpark, Todd, how much money in a year do you think you might make? Did you hear that? Over $20 million. Anybody else here make close to that this year? All right. So just for, for, for an illustration point this morning, I need a Mr. and Mrs. Lilly. Does anybody want to be our Mr. and Mrs. Lilly today? Or we can just have an individual. It doesn't matter. Oh, Teresa, you'd be Mrs. Lily today. All right? So Mrs. Lily walked in the door today, and Paul said, preacher, Mrs. Lily is in the door today. If we can get this lady to tithe, we're set. 10%, 20 million, 2 million a year, and so, Paul, when he walked, he said, Oh, Mrs. Lily, I love to see you today. We have some biscuits in here, donuts. I can go make a run to Jack's or whatever your favorite kind is. And then he, she comes on in. And then Paul says, uh, Miss Lily, come here. Come on. Come on, Come on, Miss Lily, come with me. Come in. I don't, don't hurt your knees, but well, yeah, we may need to help you out. We want to make sure you're taken care of. We want you to have the prime real estate in our church this morning, okay? We're going to have you sit down right here, all right? And if you need some water, our man over there, Robert, we will go get you some water or snacks, right? Yeah, if you need an extra bulletin, whatever you need today, oh, maybe join us, get you some water right now. I don't know. Um, so, right. So, that, that, that sounds really good. So, here is our wealthier person, and you, you can stay there or sit wherever you like to, Teresa, but you're good right there for a little bit. Oh, I'll get your books. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, don't you. we get your books. All right. We're going to take care of Miss Lily, right? All right. Now, today, I need someone to play the part, and I don't even know that we can say this word anymore, but the, who wants to be the bum? So, Okay, we'll, we'll let Ray, Sintel was also raising his hand. We'll have a couple bums. Come on, Sintel. Now, Paul saw them today, and they came in, and this guy, like, he doesn't even have a tie on, Right. And I don't know if anybody knows this, but this person here is actually a different color than the rest of us. So just thought I would point that out. Okay. Um, And we have Mrs. Lily with us today. And we don't want any of the riffraff really too close to Miss Lily, right? So we have our bouncer back here, Brother Todd. And he's going to give them an option, right? He's going to tell them, well, today, if you'd like, gentlemen, um, you can either stand in the back corner there because standing room only. I know it looks like there's a lot of empty spots, but really for your kind, we're going to put you in the corner. Or if you would rather, then we can just have you um, sit in the floor at the back. Okay. Uh, you okay with that today? Yeah. I don't think they would ask that, right? <laughs> you guys, you, I'm going to let you sit back in your normal spots, but we'll let Mr. Lee stay up front. Now that just seems ridiculous in our age, right? I mean, really in a church that somebody would come in and by the way that they dress or the way they look, or if you knew their name or you knew their income, you would treat them differently. But I'm going to tell you today, a lot of times we do. And sometimes we do it without even realizing that we're doing it. I want to challenge you this morning not to listen to the preacher. I want you to ch- challenge you to listen to the spirit of the Lord today as he guides and convicts you if you're showing favoritism in your life. And me too, right? As a church, it should, it should just be something that we abhor that there is favoritism. And yet, sometimes even in the church, there is preference. There is discrimination. There is prejudice, even in the church. All right. So you kind of move along with me this morning, especially let the Lord speak to your heart. Let's look at the problem with favoritism. Look in verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 2, James NIV here, the problem with favoritism. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. James has a real problem being clear, doesn't he? (laughs) It's just like, boom, don't do this. Okay. Verse 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or you sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? (laughs) Isn't that clear? I mean, it's just so poignant. The command is very simple. Again, and who is it to? This is not to the world. As believers, even that is qualified, right? As believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Even James here, and this is his brother, is acknowledging the deity of Christ as he tries to encourage the folks in the church. As a believer in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, Do not show favoritism. And so today, as we kind of take in the Lord's word, we need to challenge each other, right? Are we as a church, as a whole, or as individuals finding places in our life where we are showing favoritism? As believers, we should strive to live differently, again, with the Lord's help. As believers in the Lord of glory, Jesus God Almighty, we are to follow his example. Did Jesus love just to hang around religious people all the time? It seems like when he was around them, he was tearing them down, right? Who did Jesus hang around with? Again, the Lord of glory, the creator of the ends of the earth, the, the man who would walk on the water, he was
1: eating with the gluttons, and he was drinking, and I don't mean getting drunk, but he was drinking with the sinners, right? Jesus did not show favoritism, and as our example,
0: we too are called to not show favoritism. He was with the sick and the poor, and by the way, he was also with the rich men, right? Nicodemus, right? Even in his death, his tomb was paid for. Again, Jesus was not prejudiced. Now, I like this from Enduring Word because I thought it was so applicable. He says, James writes, or wrote to a very partial age, an age filled with what? With prejudice and hatred based on what things? Class, ethnicity, nationality, and religious background. It's a good thing we don't have any problems with that in our day. Again, and I was trying to share this with Leah this morning, isn't it amazing how this book that we are still studying and praying through and reading is so applicable even in the moment in which we live? right? It fits where we are right now. And so as we think about James writing to this types of issues, I wanted to kind of break them down just a little bit for you this morning. Do we have issues with class today and in our culture? Paul and I are about to go to a culture where you're not even supposed to marry outside of your class. In some places, classes are even still named. They call them casts. Now, they'll try to hide it and say it's been dismissed in other places but it's still in certain places very much alive and well. But I would tell you here in America, we also have class, classes, right? Rich and poor. Um, Where are you from? You from the sticks? I was teasing Lauren yesterday, trying to find out what they called rural people up in Minnesota. I said, do they call them rednecks up there too? And she's like, I don't know. (laughs) Poor Lauren has to deal with us. I was thinking about this idea
1: of like, I grew up blue collar. So what does that mean? Anybody know? Union, right? Your blue collar. My dad walked picket lines. And we had some people that
0: were in our church that they crossed the picket line when my dad was on strike. And not my dad called them this, but they called them scabs as a whole. Talk about some interesting church relations, right? Okay. I'm from blue collar, and as a matter of fact, it's kind of really sad when you think about it, but we're kind of proud to be blue collar, Hard working people. We're not that cultured, maybe not all that smart, but we work hard. That's who we are. That's our DNA. Maybe white collar was some of your background. Anybody grew, grew up in that kind of environment? A lot of managerial skills and people that were highly educated and maybe always working around lots of money or influential people. And maybe that would be your background. Some of you just grew up dirt poor out in the country. Anybody here, don't raise your hand, (laughs) right? I know some of you just looking around. I know that's your upbringing. But sometimes we have a little pride in that, right? That's where I came from. That's who I am. And I'm proud of that. Sometimes we, because if groups are beyond what we are, we can have a prejudice against those groups.
1: Have you ever been prejudiced against management? Preacher has, because I was kind of raised that way. Have you ever been prejudiced against the poor? Uh, Well, I'm not really prejudiced against them. I just don't like to hang around them. Okay, let's talk about
0: that, right? Class. What about ethnicity? And I picked on Sintel just a little this morning. He's very good about it. So you guys don't do that to just anyone. But Sintel is very, uh, we're good friends. He knows that I love him upside down but the color of our skin or the color of our eyes or our hair or no hair should not be a reason for prejudice, right? Ethnicity should not be. And yet, in our culture, sometimes there is prejudice against Asians or Hispanics or people that have a black skin tone or a white skin tone. Does ethnicity factor into your prejudice? That's challenging, isn't it, right? You hear the Lord, not me this morning. What about nationality? This one, I think, is an interesting one as well.
1: How many Americans have we got gotten here today? <laughs> I was expecting, woo, yeah, but I got this little bit like, a, what?
0: Right? Come on, right? I was watching that. I don't even It's probably not appropriate, but that Toby Keith song right after 9-11 happened. And these people from Britain were watching, they even had like red, white, and blue colors are watching that video, watching their reaction to who, what he was, was singing, how proud he was of our country and how we would fight and we were strong, right? Uh, Is it good to be patriotic? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, right? That's a good thing. But is it good to be prejudiced against those who aren't of your same nationality? One of the things I love about what Paul and I are about to do is we're about to go to a whole different culture where they worship the same Jesus. When we get there, we're going to see some things that are very different about how their worship is, right? I guarantee you in every church that we go to, there will not be one of those
1: in the church. Is this, in and of itself, should that be in every church in the world?
0: No. Is it good to honor God and honor your country if your country is a God-fearing country? Sure, right? But nationality sometimes can create prejudice, right? Hello? What if somebody is Syrian and they come into your neighborhood or your workplace? What if they are Iranian?
1: Even now, what if someone is Russian? Hello? We've seen people not even play their sports events.
0: If it was a, you know, like a tennis where there's a match to play, some of the people would not even play the Russian players because they're so angry about what's happening in their country. Can that create prejudice? And sometimes can it create unjust prejudice, if you will? German, Mexican even you might mention, what nationality are you? You don't need to answer that question today. But can that create prejudice in your relationships? Now, again, I'm here to tell you today that in the church, there should not be prejudice based on nationality. Right? That's, that's a strong word. And then James will even mention that we've got it here. And I want you to think about this. It's a little bit tricky, but I want you to think with me this morning. What about religious uh, differences? Right? We're all Christian here this morning, and there's an element of truth But at the same time, I hope that you'll hear me out correctly on this, that everybody should have an opportunity to come to hear us declare our love for Christ, right? So we would not keep anybody from coming to hear the truth of the gospel. So bottom line is, what does favoritism look like in our day? First thing, it's caring more about the outside than the inside, right? When you make your impression of someone, you don't get to know them. You don't get to know their likes, their dislikes. You just evaluate them based on how they look, and you've decided who they are. And this, I think, the second one is one that's really challenging, is caring more about what we can get from someone than what we can give them. Right? Why was I being nice to Miss Lily? Because I'm hoping to
1: get some ties out of that lady.
0: Right? And why didn't I not care about our other friends that walked in? They just don't have anything to offer me. And to be honest with you, a lot of times that's how prejudice shows itself, doesn't it, right? It's what can I get out of a relationship or what I cannot get out of a relationship. The third thing I put up here, this is the one that challenges me. And sometimes it's just how we're made in some respects, but it's that we're more accepting of people like us than people who are not like us. Right? Do you assimilate with people like you pretty quickly? You definitely do, Right? um if the, the good picture and leah again gave me this from sunday school this morning was the lunch table
1: at the in the high school or in the middle school right how's that work you guys remember that's been a long time for some of us who's over at this table the athletes right they kind of hang together who's over at this table this is the one i was at unfortunately
0: sometimes i think maybe we were more the untouchables than the nerds but kind of if you didn't fit anywhere else <laughs> you went to that table right? And back in mile, this is really going back. If you had IZOD uh, labels there, and you had Nike tennis shoes, and you had fancy sweaters, some people would call them preppies. Uh, some people would call them the popular kids. Their parents just had more money, and it was pretty evident, right? Okay. A um, little bit later on, you may have had skaters or goths. Anybody remember a goth group? Sunny's smiling back there, right? Remember that, right? Okay. We tend to like to gravitate in people who are kind of like us. And we do the same in churches sometimes, don't we, right? Well, that Cross Life Church, their music is a little more my style. Or the big church down the road, man, that you should have seen the fog machine. It was amazing. You guys, haven't told you you have a raise, push them for a fog machine. No, I'm not, just kidding. (laughs) Right? You should have seen the, oh, they have a country church or they have a rap style church or they have a small church or a big church. We assimilate so many times with people like us, right? And I'm challenging you again this morning, be careful of that and ask the Lord to help you overcome that type of prejudice. Again, James says, avoid favoritism, especially among the body of Christ. It is so much about how it's related to our appearance, but we know that God looks past our outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Let me give you this from Lee Gervais, and I think it will really help you track with this idea this morning he said bill is wild haired his wardrobe for college is jeans and a t-shirt with holes in it he recently became a believer while attending a campus bible study across from campus is a well-dressed very conservative church and one sunday bill decides to go there he walks in late and shoeless the sanctuary is packed bill heads down the aisle looking for seats Having nearly reached the pulpit, he realizes there are no empty seats, so he squats down on the carpet. The congregation is feeling uncomfortable. Then from the back of the church, a gray-haired elder in a three-piece suit starts walking toward Bill with a cane, and the worshipers don't expect a man in his 80s to understand some college kid sitting on the floor. With all eyes focused on the developing drama, the minister waits to begin his sermon until the elder does what he has to do. The elderly man drops his cane on the floor and with great difficulty lowers himself to sit next to Bill. When I'm about to preach, the minister begins, you'll never remember what you've just seen you'll never forget.
1: Right? That's powerful.
0: When someone who's lived so long and could easily be so much in their own stereotypes looks beyond themselves to try to find the heart of a person that's the type of uh, love we want to show. Favoritism shows hypocrisy. We often show favoritism to people in church, not because we think they're spiritual, but because they are popular or rich or influential. And again, sometimes that sounds like school, even in those things. Hear me out
1: this morning. God calls these thoughts, these prejudicial thoughts, what's he called them? Evil. That's not my words, right? Right. It's interesting to me, I think when we think of, we're going to see some comparisons here in just a minute,
0: some other sins, but the Lord speaks through James and says, hey, this prejudice that you're showing toward the rich, it is evil. When it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to love and to serve. So let's look at the idea of real riches, rich in faith. Look down if you would again in verse five. James says, listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him, but you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? First thing James says in this paragraph is that God has chosen those who are poor. If God has picked out the poor, I need to be treating them like the Lord would treat them. Amen? I want to read you another little thing here, and this the wording in this is really, really powerful, and I want to take our time, so hopefully you can digest it as well as I can. It's from a church father by the name of Tertullian, and he kind of relates the story of a pagan or an atheist who is speaking to a Christian, and I want you to hear how they talk about wealth all the way back in the the early church, right? Think back even to the times of Rome. So it starts out with Octavius, the pagan, the atheist, and he charges to the Christian. He says, look, some of you, the greater, the better half. You say, go in need. You suffer from cold, from hunger and toil. And yet your God allows it. He connives at it. He will not or he cannot assist his own followers. This proves how weak he is or how wicked. Do you see here Octavius's charge? He's saying to the Christian, well, your God must be weak because you guys don't have very much money. Now, look at how this is responded. And the Christian's name is Felix. The Christian answers, and look up here. He says, I now come to the accusation that most of us are said to be poor. That is not to our shame. It is to our great credit. What? To be poor is not to our shame. It is to our credit. Men's characters are strengthened by stringent circumstances, just as they are dissipated by luxurious living besides can a man be poor if he is free from want if he does not covet the belongings of others if he is rich in the possession of god rather he is poor who possesses much
1: but still craves more wow. isn't that good if i am free from want the lord is my shepherd i shall not want
0: i'm rich but i can have tons of money but if i still need the next thing and the better thing and the upgrade I am poor. See that that type of logic? He goes on, he says, and so it is that when a man walks along a road, the lighter he travels, the happier he is. Equally on this journey of life, a man is more blessed if he does not pant beneath a burden of riches, but lightens his load by poverty. Nevertheless, we would ask God for material goods if we consider them to be of use. Without a doubt, he to whom the whole world belongs will be able to concede us a portion. But we prefer to hold possessions in contempt than to hoard them. It is rather innocence that is our aspiration. It is rather patience that is
1: our entreaty. Our preference is goodness, not extravagance. That is awesome writing, isn't it? But is that how we feel about riches? What are you pursuing? Again, please hear the Lord speak today. What are you pursuing with your work? Well, I got this house in the suburbs, and I got to pay for it. And I got this van, and I got this truck.
0: I got these hobbies, and I got these friends, and I got kids, and it just starts adding up, right? And you can get in that mouse wheel and just get to running and running, chasing riches to try to take care of all those things. So did you hear again? The desire the was patience and a preference was goodness, not extravagance. Wow. Those are some powerful words. Again, If we're going to show favoritism, James here is actually saying, well, why do you not show it to favor of the poor and against the rich? And you catch the problem he said about the rich. You are showing favoritism to the very people who are going against the teachings of the Lord, those who are not practicing real religion like we saw at the end of last week. The rich are exploiting you. Now, I put this little note here this morning. Isn't it funny that the people who often are in power and are taking advantage of the rest are still favored because of their power and their influence. That's the world we live in. People that take advantage, and yet we still want to concede to them some special place. Again, here James says it was the rich, not the poor, who were slandering the noble name of the Lord. Again, hear me out this morning. When we show partiality or favoritism or discrimination, however you want to word it, when we show those things to brothers and sisters or over others, we slander the name of the Lord. So here's the answer. Look down again, if you would with me there. Verse eight, simple answer. Again, James is so clear. To solve the problem of favoritism is a very simple law, and that's in verse eight. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Again, look how he compares in verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking what? All of it. Verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If you're finding the self of the Lord speaking in your heart today, and you're like, preacher, yeah, I know there's some prejudice in my life. Here is the answer to fight the prejudice. What's the first command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like unto it. What is that? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're feeling, dealing with prejudice in your life today, that's the place to go. Lord, you help me love my neighbor even as I take care of my own self. And as you're doing that, James says, you are doing right in your prejudices or your favoritisms or your respective persons or your cliques or whatever you want to call it, what does James say you are doing? You are sinning. What? Again, that's just kind of almost foreign to us, right? We're kind of naturally bent to do some prejudice. Well, it's just a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. But again, I want to point you out this morning in the scripture where how James compares that sin of prejudice, You are, when you exercise prejudice, you are disappointing the God whom you say you love. You could be diligent about your Bible reading, your praying, your church attendance, maybe even not cussing or smoking or drinking, but if you have prejudice in your heart, you are as guilty as the murderer and the adulterer. Not my words. Did you see that? If you break one part of the law, you break all of it. And the comparison that James gives us is murder and adultery, and most will be like, "Oh, I don't know. everybody's prejudice. That's not even close." And James is saying, "When the way that God is as holy as He is, when you break His law, you break it all." And I think sometimes we like to categorize our sins, don't we? Right? Prejudice? Well, yeah, that's not good, but I can stick it over here. That's just kind of who I am, how I'm made. That's what it is. Well, I would never murder anyone, or I would never commit adultery. And yet you look here at the law,
1: you look here at the word of James, the word of God. Prejudice is sin. Again, not my words. Let the Lord
0: speak to our hearts this morning. Speak as those who are going to be judged by God. You will need what? We need mercy. Amen? Are you glad for mercy? Praise the Lord for mercy. We need mercy. So the point is we need to distribute with mercy to others. We need to speak with mercy. We need to love with mercy. Watch how you talk about others who are not the same as
1: yourself, right? It's not easy, is it? Did you see that guy? I mean, his earrings were that big in his ear. He can't be.
0: Did you see the tattoos on that lady's leg? Like she had a whole sleeve. Like, can you believe? No. Hey, what did that guy have in his nose? i never seen any hairstyle like that. Why would they put color in their hair like that? Can you tell them turn into an old person? And we're smiling and laughing, but, you know, sometimes those things prevent us from engaging people, doesn't it? Don't they? And when, they pre- when the Lord prompts us to go speak to people and we see something on their outward appearance and we push back and say, they're not like me, Lord, you'll have to send somebody else. We are sinning. That's what the scripture's saying today. When the Lord guides and leads you to love someone, forget their appearance, get to know them, and share the Jesus that you know with them. Amen. That's the point of this whole thing today. Act as those who are going to be judged by God. We'll need mercy, so show mercy to other people who are not like you. And again, a reminder from last week, Jesus says, go and learn what this
1: means. I desire what?
0: Mercy, not sacrifice. I don't care about your sacrifices. I don't care about your big tithing check, Miss Lily. (laughs) I care about your mercy. I don't care about your rigorous, diligent attendance. I care about your mercy. I don't care about the fact that you are dressed to the nines every time you show up. I care about mercy. If you came here for a show to look good and impress other people, but you won't go downtown or you won't go behind the counter to help someone who's in need, there's a problem that's prejudice, and James says it is sin, right? Hear the Lord today, not the preacher. Hear the Lord about how we need to show mercy, and again, there's a thousand ways you can show mercy this week, and so my challenge is you, how would you do that? How would you show mercy this week? When we think of our sins or our weaknesses as Christians, we usually say things like, I need to pray more, or I need to witness more, or I need to give more, But I bet the sin of favoritism often escapes our list of flaws. (laughs) Remember, loving your neighbor as yourself is the solution. I got one final story, and especially as we think about going downtown, those of you that will be doing that today or in the coming months, I hope this will resonate with us, and even in our ministry, in our neighborhoods. This is actually from Tony Campolo. He says, I walked down Chestnut Street in Philadelphia, There was a filthy bum covered with soot from head to toe, and he had a huge beard. I'll never forget the beard. It was a gigantic beard with rotted food stuck in it. He held a cup of McDonald's coffee, and he mumbled as he walked along the street. He spotted me, and he said, Hey, mister, you want some of my coffee? I knew I should take some to be nice, and so I did. I gave it back to him and said, you're being pretty generous giving away your coffee this morning. What's gotten into you that you're giving away your coffee all of a sudden? He said, well, the coffee was especially delicious this morning, and I figured if God gives you something good, you ought to share it with people. I figured this is the perfect setup. I said, is there anything I can give you in return? I'm sure he's going to hit me up for $5. And he said, yeah, you can give me a hug. Tony says, I was hoping for the $5. He put his arms around me, and I put my arms around him, and I realized something. He wasn't going to let me go. (laughs) He was holding on to me. Here I am, an establishment guy, and this bum is hanging on me. He's hugging me. He's not going to let me go. People are passing on the street, and they're staring at me, and I'm embarrassed. But little by little, my embarrassment turned to awe. I heard a voice echoing down the corridors of time saying, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? I was sick. Did you care for me? I was the bum you met on Chestnut Street. Did you hug me? For if you did it under the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. And if you failed to do it under the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you failed to do it unto me. Show mercy. We need the Holy Spirit to help us fight favoritism. Are you willing to make? It changes when the Lord calls you out.